Okay, well, uh, welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. If I can ask you guys to uh, grab a seat for those who are in person and for those uh, of you who are tuning in online, um, if I can get your attentions again, please. So as we continue in our worship, uh, at this time, we're going to be reading God's Word. And to read God's Word for us, I'd like to turn your attention to the screen, uh, to Rosanna, who will read God's Word. Our reading today is from Luke 24. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, It is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rosanna, for the reading of God's word. And for the preaching of God's word, I'd like to invite Kieran and one of the pastors here at Grace Toronto to come on up. So, two men walking, two men walking down a road. We don't know a lot about these men apart from what we read in the story, just two men walking down a road. One of them is named Cleopas. Um, The other man is unnamed. We just, we don't know. We don't know much about these people. That's all we know. Uh, What we do know is that They're leaving Jerusalem. They're walking away from Jerusalem. There's no point staying in Jerusalem. 
was there for them in, in Jerusalem. And so they're walking. They're walking to a place called Emmaus. It's about a two-hour walk, three tops. And as they're walking, they're talking. And as they talk, they're trying to get their minds around what the heck just happened. I mean, that's what you do, right? It's what you do when you're confused. It's what you do when things are strange and when they don't make sense and when you're perplexed and when you're, well, disillusioned. And these men are, are disillusioned. I mean, sure, sure. Um, some women had said to them earlier that day that they had seen a vision of angels who told them that Jesus was alive and sure they had gone to the tomb and it was empty. Sure, they had seen these things, but you know what? That's what these people said. It's what they had said to us. And, you know, to be quite honest, uh, we've seen enough. I mean, enough is enough. They had just spent how many years chasing a ghost? And it just, this was not the way it was supposed to be. Jesus, Jesus was not supposed to suffer. He was supposed to save Israel. So they're walking, they're, they're talking. And then, and then, and then, Jesus just, he walks up behind them and alongside of them. And he says to them, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And they say, are, are, you, are you the only person, the only one visiting Israel who does not know the things that have happened? Which is funny, because Jesus is actually the only person who knows the things that have happened in Jerusalem, right? But, you know, he's going to work with them, because that's what Jesus does. He works with people. What things, he says? Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet and powerful in word and deed. He was, he was sentenced by the rulers. He was handed over by the religious rulers. And he was, he was crucified. But, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Past tense. I mean, this is just not the way it was supposed to happen. Jesus was not supposed to suffer. He was supposed to save Israel, save them from the Romans, save them, give them back their land, their lives, their freedom. But then he went and got himself killed on a cross. And that wasn't supposed to happen, not according to their way of thinking. And they are bitterly disappointed. It's incredibly disillusioned. What about you? Where do you find yourself this morning? Maybe you find yourself walking down a road, a road to Emmaus. Maybe, maybe things have just been so incredibly difficult for you and perplexing and, and disillusioning and you like these disciples are just like, well, what's the point? 
One of the great things about the story, maybe the greatest thing about this story is that, you know, Jesus loves to find people on a road just like this, just maybe where you are this morning. And he loves just to walk up, to walk side by side, and to take people from a place of real discouragement and bewilderment and disillusionment and, and, and bring them to a place of faith and hope and joy. To a place where, like, you know, at the end of the story, you see these disciples, very, very different people. They're, they're booking it now back to Jerusalem. Do you, do you notice that? They're booking it back to Jerusalem in the dead of the night. Like, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened, and you'll see this as we look at our passage. Jesus did two things, and he really does. He loves to do two things, and one is to open his word. The other thing he loves to do is to open eyes. And somehow by opening his word and opening eyes, he moves us from a place of bewilderment, confusion, disillusionment, to a place of faith and joy. Okay? Okay, let's go. First, he opens up his word. He opens up his word. Now, you know, Jesus is, is, a, is funny this way. I'll tell you why. Because, um, you know, when you, normally you would expect Jesus to be nice to these guys. Would you not? I mean, come on. They've been through it. It's been a hard time. It's bewildering. Give them a break. Jesus, you can see him just, oh, you know, I get it. But he doesn't do that. He's terse. He's terse with these men. But this is what they need. This is how you break the spell, right? Oh, Foolish ones, oh foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets wrote. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer and then to enter into his glory? Was it not necessary? And it was. And I'll tell you why it, 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 it was necessary. Because you and I have a problem this morning, not me with you, but we have a problem. And that problem is that you and I are sinful. It is true. Sorry, it's true. But you are, and I am too. We're sinful. And the problem with that is that God is just a, just a beautiful, holy, pure God who cannot admit sinners into his presence. And the only way, the only way for a holy God to allow sinners, to permit sinners into his presence for a never-ending relationship is for our sin to be removed. And you can't do that, and I can't do that, but only God can, and he has. And he has done it one way, one way only through his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent into this world to die for your sins and to rise again for your life. And friends, that is what is necessary. That's what's necessary. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus began to open up the word, began to interpret the word to these men. Can you imagine that? Now, there's a Bible study. Imagine that. What did you do last night? Went to a Bible study. Who led it? Jesus. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus opening up the word and showing you all the places 
that it pointed to him in the Old Testament. I, we really, we don't know what passages he pointed to. But here's what I think. Here's my best bet. It's just a bet. It's a guess. I think he probably took them back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. To the beginning, when our first parents were tempted by Satan, and when they fell, and with the fall, Adam brought this entire world, plunged it into chaos and sin. And God came to Satan and said, I will put enmity. I will put conflict between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Now listen. He will crush your head. A fatal wound. But you but you will bruise his heel. Painful, but not fatal. Suffering and glory, death and resurrection. Or maybe, maybe he took them to Psalm 22. To Psalm 22. And this is a psalm that was written by David. And this is what it says, and I want you to listen, 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 listen carefully. For dogs surround me. A band of evil men encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and glare over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. What is amazing about this psalm, about those words, is that they depict a crucifixion scene. But the author David was never crucified. In fact, crucifixion would not be developed and perfected for many, many, many years. This passage talks about one who will be crucified. You read further. Listen. The same one who was crucified. Somehow he lives. I will proclaim your name to my brothers. I will praise you in the assembly. The one who was crucified will rise and stands with the people of God in praise. Amazing. This is so key, friends. You, you have to listen to this. There are so many things that we think are necessary. There are so many things that you maybe, even as a follower of Christ, think are necessary. And oftentimes what you think and I think are necessary when it comes to following Jesus is that he makes it all work out just the way I want to. No problems, no issues, no heartbreak, no confusion, no disillusionment, everything, my way, perfect, amen. But what happens when life shoots sideways? And what happens when it takes you with it? What happens when your hopes are dashed? Uh, what is going to sustain you in that moment? What? These men are in a bad place, but as Christ comes to them, 
he opens up the Word. And he shows them how the entire Old Testament, Hebrew Scriptures, all of it pointed to Christ. The whole thing is about Jesus. This whole thing, this life, it's all about Jesus. It's about, a, it's about a God who sends his son to die for sins and to rise into life, raise into life again for your everlasting good. That's what's necessary. And that story, that grand story, that meta-narrative, I'm sorry, my postmodern friend, that, that meta-narrative is the true story of this world. And it encompasses and takes your individual story into it. Don't you see? You're not alone. He walks with you, side by side. I guess the question is, where are you this morning on this journey, on this road? And may I encourage you with this, what you need in this moment, my my discouraged friend, is a bit of scripture, one bit of scripture that will point you to what's really necessary right now. And what's really necessary is that Jesus Christ suffered and rose for you. And you hang on to that. You let that anchor you, even as you walk through a veil of tears in the darkness of this life and this world. That's what's necessary. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never really taken time to open up the Word of God. You've never heard the passages that I just finished reading to you. Maybe you know very little about the Old Testament scriptures and how they pointed to Christ. Maybe that's the case. I want to encourage you to do something. Look into the book and see how it points to Christ. We're not alone in this world, in this universe. There is a God who knows us and who sent his son for you. Would you go to that word? Would you open it up? Have you come with a friend? Have you come with a friend this morning? Tell your friend, you open up this book for me. Interpret it for me and show me where Jesus is because I need to see this. I'll tell you, if you do that, I'll warn you, if you do that, it will change everything. If you open up this book and let it speak to you and show you Jesus, it will change your life. You will not be the same. Are you ready for that? Because it will. Okay, I'll tell you a story. Um, Back in 92, my wife and I left Tyndale University here in the city. We went up to Ottawa for more schooling. When I got there, a prof, his name was Rich. Rich. Rich grew up in a world where... um, He studied Hebrew twice a day. I don't know if any of you have done that. Studied Hebrew twice a day. Went to synagogue every single day. And one cold, wintry night, his father had a fatal heart attack. And Rich ran to the only place where he thought he could get comfort, which was the synagogue. And he pounded on the doors. But no one opened the doors And in that moment, he looked up at the sky, he cursed God, he walked away, and he walked away from his faith. Years later, he becomes a successful psychotherapist and did what a lot of hippies did in that time, during that time, the 60s, went for a bit of a trip, tooled around Europe, backpacking. Happened upon this 
tiny little community, Christian community called Labrie. And while he was there, he listened and he argued and he debated and he mocked. And then one day a guy came to him and just said to him, Rich, can I read something to you in the Bible? And Rich said, sure, I'll I'll listen, whatever. And this is what he said. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was pierced for our sins. And the chastisement that we deserve fell upon him and by him we are healed. And Rich said, what is that proof? Anybody standing at the cross that day could have written that stuff. Anybody at the cross could have written that. The man took the Bible and he turned it around to Rich. And he saw a word at the top of that page that changed his life. He said he felt cut into pieces. The word was the name Isaiah. Isaiah wasn't at the cross. Isaiah wrote 700 years before the cross. And he knew in that moment that it was Jesus. And he said, why does it have to be him? (laughs) The whole book is about Jesus. All of this is about Jesus. I just wonder, my friend, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you would take the time to seriously investigate this, you who are just trying to figure it out. Can you just, the Old Testament, written hundreds of years before Christ, speaks of the coming of Christ and the necessity for Christ, his death and his resurrection. Check it out. It'll change your life. This is what Jesus does, friends. He loves to meet us on the road, that road, that road, that road. And loves to come alongside of us and just open up the word and to show us what's really necessary right now in our lives. I'm telling you, this is how we navigate the discouragements. This is how we navigate the disillusionment This is how we cope when all of our hopes have been pinned to things that just fell apart. One doesn't. His name's Christ. And he died for you. And he rose for you. And that's what the book tells you. He opens his word. A second thing. And you need this too. You don't just need the book to be opened up to you. You also need your eyes to be opened. And we see that here in our story. As they continue on, we tell, we're told in the passage that they reach this town near Emmaus. And as they reach it, Jesus pretends like he's going to go a little bit further. He's pretending. And these men say, no, no, listen, you've got you to stay the night. It's already late. Stay, stay the night. I mean, that's just what you did in that day because 
That's what was considered hospitable. You don't understand that, and I don't, because if I walked with a stranger for an entire day, I would not invite the guy back to my house. But they did. It's not just because they're courteous, though. These guys wanted to know more about Jesus, or whoever this guy was. And so they urge him, come in. Jesus comes in as their guest, but very quickly he becomes the host. And he takes bread. And he breaks the bread and blesses it. And in that moment, their eyes are opened. And they recognize Jesus. The Jesus they've known. The Jesus who they had walked with. In that moment, deep, penetrating, intimate fellowship with Christ. And and then he disappears. He just vanishes. Because it was all they needed. All that they needed to see, they saw. And so it is with you, friends. What we need in this moment is to see Jesus. We can't see him with our eyes. We have to wait for that day. But now, but now we wait for him looking through the eyes of faith and ask that the eyes of our hearts will be open to see Jesus. And I don't mean just knowing something about him. I mean knowing him personally, closely, intimately. And that bread that day, that bread that day that Jesus broke was a great story saying to them, my body has been broken for you. Everything you need for relationship with me has been done. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Don't you see that? And don't you see what's being offered to you today? Don't you understand that Christ wants to be wanted? He waits to be wanted. He waits for us to invite him in. Not in some informal, distant way, but right here, close, closer than a friend. Because that's where the gospel takes us, friends. The gospel says, you come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, you come to me. And I'll give you rest. Take upon me my burden is light. I'll give you rest. But you come to me. On this road, my friends, the danger is to walk away. Thank God Jesus doesn't do that. Thank God he comes and he catches up with us. But what you need and what I need when the skies grow dark, and the clouds roll in and the question marks come and the disillusionment mounts, we need a Savior who is dead but who is risen for us. And he is. And he says, come to me. You come to him. You come to him today with all of your grief and your questions and your perplexity and your, your disillusionment. You come to him today. 
because he's waiting for you. You could be here this morning and you've never invited Christ, never invited Christ to come into your life. Today needs to be that day, my friend. It needs to be that day for you. You may have questions about Christianity. You may have questions about Jesus Christ. You may complain and object it's too narrow. It's laws, it's Christ's rules and whatever. It's just too narrow. It's too narrow is too narrow. Listen, your problem isn't there. Your problem is with the resurrection. You sort that one out, the other stuff will kind of fall into place. Because to be honest, as far as I know, people don't generally die on Friday and rise at the end of the weekend. Your issue is with that. Settle that. Sort that out. Did he die? Did he rise? Because if he did rise, those things can be sorted out. If he didn't rise, it's a joke, and we're wasting our time this morning. But he did rise. And because he rose, there's hope. There's hope right now, even while all of your hopes are crumbling Because he said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. I'd love to wrap up and just say here are six benefits of the resurrection. Here are six things that the resurrection can give you. But I'm not going to do that. Come back next week. Come back the week after that. We'll start a sermon series. We're going to start a sermon series on the benefits of the resurrection, okay? Sound good to you? But for right now, here's what I want to I just leave you with. I have no doubt in my mind that some, many, if not all of you, have been, will be, maybe right now, are on that road from Damascus or from, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. I have no question in my mind. Listen, I've been there. I know what it is. I know what it is. When I turned 40, which was a long time ago, believe it or not, thank you, (laughs) I lived through a time of extreme disillusionment, a Christianity that just really didn't take into account the upsets and the discouragements of life. I thought it it should all work out just fine. And I had to figure out what was really needed and necessary, and what I found out was this, that there was a Savior who died for me, rose for me, and for you. I'm saying to you this morning that I can anchor you right now as you keep walking forward. And you know this this morning too, and I'll leave you with this. You never walk alone because Christ is on that road with you this morning, walking with you side by side. The one who was crucified, alive and alive for you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Dear Father in heaven, (laughs) so many of us, Father, are stuck. So many of us are stuck on this road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Some of us have just walked away or are thinking about it have checked out but maybe don't look like it because we're hiding in community. 
but our hearts have checked out because we're just so sad, so discouraged, so disillusioned by the brokenness of this world, hopes that have faded and evaporated. And you know everyone's story in this room, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that there is a Savior who died and rose and who is with us in this room here right now and walking beside every single person wants that word to be opened up so that their hearts burn and eyes open wide enough to see Jesus and to know him. I, I mean really know him. And I want this, Father, for everyone in this room this morning. And I want, Father, for those who don't yet know you to know today that you have risen and risen for them. And I ask, Lord, that you would do that now. Do that work in their hearts. Thank you, Father, for meeting us with your son on the road. And then turning us around with something that looks like approaches faith and joy. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.